The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Inside Out with your host, Beth Green. This is James Maynard, your co-host. Today's topic, when adversity guides us to our destiny, do we gripe or embrace it? Lots of things guide us to our destiny. Sometimes we have a vision and go for it. Other times things get so bad we just have to change. Think of a situation that was so bad you had to shift course. Did you want things to get that bad so you would have to change despite your fears or reluctance? Did you want to prove how bad things were so that people around you would have to support you, even if initially they didn't? And when adversity did guide your destiny, did you gripe or embrace the process? Did you tend to focus on the value of the change or the pain of the loss? Whether it's a marriage getting to the breaking point, our health tanking, or our own behavior nearly destroying us, let's acknowledge how bad things can guide us to move in different directions. And let's look at how we react when it does. So stay tuned, call in or email, and maybe we won't need adversity to guide us next time, or maybe we'll embrace it when it does. And now, here's Beth from the Inside Out. Hi, everybody. It's so good to be with you today. Uh, I'm having an interesting day. (laughs) To say the least. (laughs) To say the least. There's been a lot of adversity. I've been thinking, oh, what a great preparation for the show, dealing with a lot of things um, on many, many levels. Uh, Some of you know, because you've been with us since the early days, that James and I have been... Uh, not living at home for, it's now six months. We've been kind of on the road. And uh, we found a, 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 a temporary rental that we've been staying in while we've been trying to sell a house and buy a house and all of that. And we're like days away from this all resolving. We're supposed to move into our new home on Friday. And there's just one disaster after another uh, taking place on every level. And... Um, it's, you know what I say, it's a disaster. I mean, it isn't a disaster. We're not dead. Um, but there's a lot of things that with, with consequences, some of them on a personal, emotional level, and some of them on the financial level. And as all of these things are happening, uh, I'm noticing that I'm getting more and more angry. So as um, James was reading this description of the show, which, of course, I wrote meaning that at that moment when I wrote it, I was in the more uh, spiritual uh, focus of myself. It's like, ah, yes, uh, am I capable of handling this with grace and aplomb? Well, uh, today I wasn't. Um, I, (laughs) I was getting angry. And I was getting angry because there was a lot of things that were taking place that were unfair or based on anxiety or people were corrupt, people hadn't done what they were supposed to do, those kinds of things, and I found myself getting riled up. So when I was listening to this description today, what occurred to me, because the question is, do you gripe and bitch and moan, or do you embrace it, embrace the change? And I say, both. Now, why why is this important? Uh, I'm going to be very honest with you. Many of you out there, I know you're looking for answers and you're wanting help and you're hoping that 
when you listen to a program like Inside Out, that you're going to get some insights that are going to help you in your own life, help you to cope better. And I love that you do that. And I hope that we have been providing some kind of a service to you. And here's the reality. The reality is there are some times when I can handle stresses that would just demolish normal people. And other times, you know, the straw will break this camel's back. And so I ask myself, have I really been totally taking things in stride? Or have there been little pieces of me that have been building up upsets and resentments that just haven't gotten expressed? So... I would say that one of the things that uh, really irked me this afternoon, which had to do with uh, something that could totally jeopardize our escrow, our moves, our buying this person's house, um, as that came up, it was just the, t- the, uh, the straw that broke the camel's back about the way I felt about this whole transaction. And I found myself really strongly reacting. And... There's a part of me that will get very critical of that, and there are people out there who are into being way more spiritual than I am, who will say, (laughs) oh, you shouldn't have had that reaction. But what I really felt was, as I was expressing it, and I admitted and acknowledged, I am venting now, I'm really upset, and I gave myself permission to release it, I was then able to return to a degree to a state of equilibrium. And coming out of all of that is really the question of, is the universe guiding us? So, and is the universe guiding us is always a a very critical question. Um, We even asked ourselves right before the show, are we supposed to just let go of of the buyers of our home who are threatening to end the escrow today, uh, and just let them and go back to where we were. And uh, is this a directional signal from the universe? And to be able to go into that neutrality, and and by the way, I was laughing at myself uh, during a lot of this time when I was venting, um, to be able to go into that neutral place and say, okay, I have vented, I needed this. This, was, this has been a stressor that's been going on for a long time that's been building up. That aspect of me that is hurting, that is fearful, that needs uh, relief or reassurance or whatever it is, needed expression. It's just there. And allowing that to express... Without staying stuck, you know, that's a lot of what the difference is, is without becoming entrenched in that negativity. So I let it be expressed. I found some very sympathetic people, which was very nice. (laughs) Um, They helped calm me down. But I also said uh, to one of the people in our real estate agent's office, you know, rah, 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 rah. I told her that we were going to come on and do our show today about adversity. She said, are you going to talk about this on this show? And I said, absolutely. Of course I'm going to talk about this on the show because this is inside out. And you know what inside out means. It's like we are ruthlessly honest with ourselves and one another. And so there it was. But just having that ex- opportunity to express, I did not go into judgment about myself for having this human reaction. We cannot let our spirituality drive us to 
self-abuse. And too many of us do that. So it looks like on the one hand that we should be talking about how adversity guides us, and it often does, and I do want to talk about that. But I also want to talk about how we can't let ourselves beat ourselves up for having human reactions to situations that are very difficult or stressful or painful, or we might even be picking up other people's feelings at the same time. When we release ourselves from that self-judgment and self-criticism for having had that reaction, we also don't need to justify that reaction day after day after day. Then we can sort of say, okay, okay, now what? Okay, okay, so, I mean, this is not me, of course. I mean, seriously, this is not me. Okay, so you've gotten pregnant five times in the last six months, uh, and uh, you uh, don't feel like using birth control. Okay, now what are we going to do? Do you see what I mean? It's like, but first we have to say, what? Again? You didn't use it? I was like, we're, we're incredulous, right? We're shocked. We're appalled. Okay. But then we don't have to stick with that feeling. We get through it. But if we keep suppressing that human part of us that is distressed because this is really causing some, some real situation in our lives, well, if we don't let that express, it's just in there and it's going to build anyway. And that it's going to eat us up alive as we're pretending to be very enlightened. So don't let the need to look enlightened block you from true enlightenment. Which comes from that reframing that we are encouraging ourselves to do in this program. After I got over the immediate reaction to something that was going on and I was able to start thinking more clearly, (laughs) thank God for support, right? Then I was able to really ask that question. Is the universe trying to tell us to stop what we're doing? I have, I have to admit, many times gone forward with something where I had this gut feeling that I shouldn't. When there were signs from the universe that something was wrong. And I have talked myself into it usually through some spiritual platitude or other, telling myself that this meant this or that meant that or or something else, when it really meant stop or change. Now I'm going to tell you a happy story. And by the way, we do encourage you to call in today because we would like other people to bring their stories and their perceptions forward. The happy story is, many years ago, like uh, maybe 30-some-odd years ago, I um, had a job that I was very ill-suited to, but there was an aspect of the job that I was great at and nobody else could do, so my boss kept me in that position. That boss quit the firm, and there wasn't anybody else who was doing that kind of work, and so what I was really, really good at 
was no longer required. And what they required was something that I had no training in and had no affinity for. And at some point, the boss, the new boss, called me in, and he told me that he was going to have to cut my salary because I, you know, I was getting paid too much for what I knew how to do. And, of course, in the first moment, it was like, oh, no. You know, there were two reasons. First, my ego was extremely offended. But the other thing is, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? Uh, how are we going to make a living? How am I going to support the family and all of that? But I managed to get over that panic. I got over that panic by first having that panic and then letting myself get deeper and deeper into it. And when I got deeper and deeper into it, I realized that he was, in fact, right, that I was not worth that money because I was no longer doing a job that I was really good at and that I would either have to learn this new field and get good at it or I needed to leave. And so it stopped being about that this crappy boss had given me a demotion, essentially. It really became about whether or not I was in the right place. And it was just marvelous because I went into a meditation and in that meditation, I saw myself at a crossroads and I saw a sign and it said one way. And I thought, one way, you know, I don't remember now whether that was a meditation or that was a dream actually. And where it said one way, I said, but God, which is the one way? And God said, you already know the answer to that question. You know what you need to do. And I went in there and I quit my job. And I thanked him because I knew that he was right and I knew that I needed to get out of that place. And what is remarkable is that this was a very, very bad time. There were very few jobs. I went out to do temp work again. It wasn't going to support the household. And um, and every, But you can't get X number of dollars for work at this time. You know, I was a temp typist. and all. Well, I, I just kept following my divine guidance. This is what I'm supposed to ask for in money. I went to a job interview. They said, you'll never get this kind of money as a temp in this era. This was 1980-something. And I said, okay, you know, whatever. I'm going home. Just that same voice that had told me to go forward, it told me not to uh, sell out for less. And... Would you believe by the time I got home, I got a message on my answer machine. We used to use answer machines instead of voicemail that they had a job for me. And it was a perfect job, a perfect job. And they paid me what I asked for, which was reasonable for the level of skill that I had in that area. And that turned into a long-term position which supported me for many years and allowed me to develop my skills so that I could become a full-time intuitive counselor and spiritual teacher, which is what I did come 1984. So now, don't you love that kind of story? I do. On the other hand, do all the stories end up like that? No. Sometimes one adversity leads to another adversity. That at then it would have been and I lost my home, and then I lost, uh, uh, you know, my food, and then I lost my car, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, until I found myself in a homeless shelter. You know, that could happen too. Now, what happens when adversity takes us in those directions where we don't have this little magical, mystical, happy, happy story at the end? Well, we have to find a way to be grateful. Uh, 
I can't tell you how important it is to realize that it doesn't really matter in the end whether this adversity is guiding us towards a glorious future, which actually, even though doing the work that I've done has been very hard and challenging, it has been so the right thing for me. And uh, I, have, I was able to do that. Thanks to this job, it really supported me. The one that I got because I was fired from the other one, essentially. And, and yet, sometimes it doesn't come out that way. We still have to be grateful. Not because the outcome is something we desire, even though we can try to talk ourselves into the fact that we desire it even if we don't. But because if I'm not grateful... And if I can't talk myself into this, I'm going to be all tied up in knots and it's going to make me sick. So now not only would I have lost my job, lost my husband, lost my teeth, but I would also have lost myself. I am not one of those spiritual teachers who tells you that everything always turns out for the best because it's not always the case. But I will tell you that if you don't turn things around so that your heart can be at peace with whatever is coming, you are going to be the person who is hurt the most. So when adversity guides our destiny, we have to embrace it ultimately. First, by allowing ourselves to have our human reaction, our pain, our fear, our grief, whatever. And then what I always call turning shit into fertilizer occurs so that we can grow as people and instead of being destroyed by our experience, we can grow through it. Not pretending that it was great, but, pret- but acknowledging that we have the capacity to grow through things and find a way to make peace and to become more. And with that, I'd like us to go to our first commercial break, but don't go away. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, BethGreen.org. At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training, and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
You're tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Hi there. Welcome back to Inside Out. We are so happy to be doing the show. And... We're happy that we already have a caller who would like to share some of her experience, and I believe this is the first time she's ever called in. It's Rose from San Diego. Hi. Well, hello, Rose. Welcome to Inside Out. Thank you. I've listened many times, not been able to call in, and in fact, I am working while I'm calling you now, so I'll be in a little bit of a rush. Well, we feel honored. We feel honored that you called anyway. Oh, thank you. I, you know, I so related to the diversity or adversity that you uh, expressed in your day. I started my day in a very lovely way, and then it just went in this completely <laughs> uh, I, I un, un, unconceived, uh-huh. uh, terrible <laughs> thing one right after another. And I did find some gratitude in it, although I did, like you, I had quite a reaction initially (laughs) at the two or three big bombs that I got. And then um, the two things that I saw, one was I shared some of it with my partner in my little pissy way, and gratefully, he did not join me. (laughs) Oh, that's good. That's good. (laughs) It was very good. He uh, was very supportive that he just listened and sort of got it, and uh, and then it moved right along. You know, there wasn't any staying there. Um, and the other thing was, I don't know, I don't want to say all the details, but um, there was definitely some good news inside of the, wrapped in the bad news. Ooh. And um, a new, new uh, negotiation of, say, a contract that went in a, that added something that was very beneficial and we'd never had from these people in many years of working with them. So it was very good uh, in that way. But many times I had to really calm myself down. <laughs> I love that, Rose. I really appreciate your sharing that because, you know, do we gripe or do we embrace? Well, sometimes we have to gripe. Oh, to gripe. Yes, yeah, sometimes we have to gripe first and then we can embrace because if we don't, we make ourselves sick. Have you ever uh, criticized you uh, for having a human reaction? Criticized myself? Well, yes. yes. I wanted to share a little bit more by saying that the lovely thing that I had that I started my day with was I joined a friend, invited me to go to see these butterflies in this exhibit, and um, uh, I I used the process of checking in with the universe to see what actions I should take, and I did that process, and I got yes to going. It was pretty spur of the moment, though, and and I'm wondering if I did force that outcome because I'll tell you the, the thought I had when the negative stuff started was, oh, this is your punishment for taking the morning off, you know, these what? two hours. That's how it occurred to me. Like, you should have never done that this morning. You should have been working, and then things wouldn't have went Okay, so Rose, Rose, I'd like you to go back, and could mm-hmm. you reiterate that, what happened and what led you to that conclusion? Because I feel something uh, percolating in here. <laughs> Okay. So go 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 to this. Hit me again with that one, because you know I was going to say to you, Rose, do you have a question? Because after you shared, I thought, oh, that's nice. But she has a question. Right, so go right. ahead. 
go ahead and hit me with that again. What happened that led you to that you were a bad girl? Well, mostly it just occurred as I shouldn't have gone anywhere outside of being at work this morning because everything that went down that was so bad was work-related. Mm-hmm. And it started with the night before I, I didn't make it to the bank for a deposit. Mm-hmm. So then I saw, oh, I can do a mobile deposit, but then I went to the website and it was down. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that, that, and I knew we were close. So this morning, uh, we were overdrawn in our account. And um, that, that one specifically, I think, was the one that made me feel like I shouldn't, you know, I, I was bad for missing the deposit the day before, and you shouldn't have been having a good time this morning. So let me uh, try it now. You see, I'm trying to follow this. So after the horse had got out of the barn, you should have been unhappy. In other words, you missed the deposit yesterday anyway. And I'm, I, I'm just trying to make sure that I didn't miss anything about this. You didn't make the deposit yesterday, and so therefore you are guilty of overdrawing the count. And you also took off and had a nice time this morning. But in but you couldn't have stopped yourself from having been overdrawn this morning. All you could have done is not have a good time. Am I following this? <laughs> yes. So you're that, that's why I had to ask you again. It's like so you're, <laughs> you you want to be punished. It's not bad enough. This is fabulous. Well, what this, I'm laughing about. I love that you restated it for me so, so I can hear it because when you said you laughed about yourself earlier, I was like. Well, I wasn't laughing about myself earlier. I, I found some good good news, but I certainly wasn't. <laughs> well, now you see the absurdity of this whole stance of yours. Because, okay, you goofed yesterday, so you should suffer today, <laughs> and, and that that is going to keep you from having uh, messed up the deposit yesterday. Like, if you were suffering this morning, yesterday would not have happened. You know, I, I heard a joke. Uh, I, unfortunately, not everybody follows this joke, so I'm afraid I'm going to tell it, and all of the people out there are going to sit there and say, what? But this was a, a joke told to me from uh, a Haitian, so a, a friend from Haiti, and it was that he brought the clothes to the, you know, the guy brings his clothes to the dry cleaner, and he said, um... When can it have it? When can you have it ready? He said, "Well, I can have it ready on Thursday." He said, "Good, I could use it on Thursday." And then when the guy went back, he couldn't get there Thursday. He went back on Friday, and the clothes were not ready. And he said, "You told me that the clothes would be ready on Thursday." And the and the dry cleaner said, "Well, if you had come on Thursday, they would have been ready." What? <laughs> <laughs> You know, know, and it's the absurdity. That is exactly what you just did. Do you see that? And I love that because what what you are demonstrating to us is how we punish ourselves for adversity. Yeah. I'm sure that you did. Like it's going to change anything. Uh, It doesn't change anything, and it's adding pain. It's what I have called needless pain. You already have the pain that you didn't make the deposit, and now you also have to have pain for having beaten yourself up. 
the, the pain that comes from beating yourself up. And then you should have had more pain by not having a good morning. Well, you I, know, it just seems that the universe was really talking to me since it slapped me around two or three more times. <laughs> but I do see the absurdity, and I appreciate so oh, Thank you so much for helping me to laugh at myself. Well, you're very welcome. That's what we do on Inside Out. Thank right you, Rose, for calling, and please don't hesitate to call again. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Wonderful. James, is there anything that this would bring in mind for you on the topic, uh, something you'd like to say or ask? Well, yes. Uh, adversity has certainly been a big guide for, in my life because uh, every time I run up the wrong alley, and uh, then I learn that I've lost my way, and then... Uh, I have to change course. So a really good example of that in my life is that I've had these two parallel careers, starting with a legal career as a lawyer and then uh, getting more into the hypnotherapy. And there was a time when I was fully hypnotherapy and no, no legal work. But then uh, in recent decades, I, I shifted back over into the law because uh, it was paying, more, paying better. Uh, but... Uh, the universe conspired to point out and show me adversity after adversity after adversity uh, that I was not well suited for the law. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't have been doing that. I should not mm-hmm. be doing that. So I was forced to change. I was forced to let go of practicing law because uh, it just got more and more adverse. And I re-embraced uh, doing the hypnotherapy. And so uh, adversity pushed me into it. And now, I'm, glad, I'm glad it did because um, I so value this, the change. Yeah. Now, this is a another very, very good example um, of it just so happens that your example and mine both were in the work arenas. But uh, it's a very, very good example. And what do you think blocked you from, let's do this quickly because we have two callers. What okay. do you think blocked you from hearing the universe the first 1,400 times that it's tried to talk to you through adversity. Oh, I think it's this belief that I should be able to do anything. I can do anything. I'm smart enough to do anything I put my mind to. Mm, That's not it. So I'm going to put you on a mental quest, and now we're going to take our next caller, which is Irene from San Diego. Irene, welcome to Inside Out. Oh, thank you. I I wanted to... I was really... um, impressed with the first thing you addressed, which is allowing yourself to just be in total reaction to um, <laughs> to a series of things. And it reminded me of something I had totally forgotten about, which is I, I've had a lot of adversity in my life, actually, my adult life. And... Um, I've always kind of taken it, uh, don't like griping, don't like people who complain, and um, the last adversity I had was my third cancer, and they started out saying, oh, it was, I needed surgery, but it would be easy, and then they said, oh, you need surgery, but it's incurable. Mm-hmm. And then when I had the surgery, they said uh, we couldn't take it all out, the lymph glands, and you have a short time to live. And, you know, I never had a reaction. It was okay, uh, you know. Uh, uh, oh, and how many years ago was that, Irene? That was five years ago. <laughs> okay, please carry on. 
<laughs> you and, are speaking uh, to us from so, this plane, right? You are you are still alive, right? <laughs> I'm still alive. Yeah. Okay. Were, uh, uh, but anyway, yeah. I was in a uh, hospital room that oh, there was someone just a curtain next to me, and she had had a surgery. And she was the mo- the loudest, most complaining, <laughs> most shady, <laughs> most uh, unreasonable person you could imagine. And um, it was so annoying, and I felt so unhappy that in all the rest of my unhappiness, I had to put up with this. And then I was in the midst of the the nurses were trying to do something for me, and you called, and I went into total unconsolable child. Mm. I was, cry- you know, it brings tears to my eyes now. I was crying. Uh, they wanted, it was a simple thing. They just wanted to move me in the bed. Mm. But I was telling them that I couldn't, that it hurt too much, and... I remember at the time you were on the phone and I think you were probably telling me just to let myself be the inconsolable child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think that that experience of just being totally unreasonable, totally inconsolable, totally I can't do this, I won't do this, mm-hmm. and allowing it to be accepted. Yes. Uh, because you accepted it, I could accept it, and it, it, it really, I, I went into a deep sense of peace. I love that story. That's very, very touching, and I didn't, of course, remember that. But as, as you listeners can tell, I, you know, I know Irene. Uh, that's how I knew that she was still alive. Uh, <laughs> after the, uh, after they threatened her with the, with the third cancer. And what you said a minute ago was so crucially important. You never really let yourself. And you were furious with this other woman because she was letting herself complain about very little. And you were not letting yourself complain about a lot. And you didn't give yourself the opportunity to purge those feelings. I have always taught that we should allow our emotions to go through us like a thunderstorm. And that means just like, let them through, but don't direct them towards somebody like, unless, I mean, there's a really good reason. Don't like, uh, when we have these emotions, we shouldn't take it out on others. But if someone is really hurting us, I think we have to express that to them and let them know. And sometimes people will not hear it and they will not hear it until you keep escalating or escalating or finding some other way to express it because that's another way to bring them to consciousness about the fact that they're hurting you. That's part of how God speaks. God speaks to God through us um, speaking to one another. So I would say, uh, you know, Irene, to in your conclusion of this uh, is that you were really angry at that woman because she let herself complain and you were so busy trying to pretend that you were spiritual that you were not giving yourself that relief. And I'm not saying that it isn't also incredibly annoying to have a complaining person next to you. (laughs) (laughs) So I think I've always been so frightened that um, the person who I was complaining to would go away. Yes. And yes. 
that I've never allowed myself to to be in that state. But yes. sometimes allowing yourself to be in that state and seeing that the world doesn't collapse yes. is, is very healing. And, and let me say one more thing before we, uh, then we need to go on because we have another caller. Is uh, Irene, I want you to think that what you just said, you never felt safe enough to let the person know you were afraid they were going to go away if you complained. You did the same thing with God because you didn't let God know. You didn't want God to know how upset you were because you didn't really trust the God that you pretended you trusted when you were being so serene. Uh, That's true. So thank you so much for your call. Mm -hmm. Really appreciate it. Uh, We now have Helen on the phone. We only have a minute. So um, uh, instead of bringing her on, Helen, if you can just hang in there until after our commercial break, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, But while we're, just before we go to commercial break, since we have so little time, James, did you have a new new thought? Well, here's a new thought. Okay. Okay. I was ambitious. I wanted to make more money. I had people in my life who needed me to support them. And so uh, I felt I was doing the right thing by uh, uh, helping support them. You are closer than you were before. But I think it has to do with your image with them. What didn't uh, they want? What didn't you want them to know about you? Hmm. Hmm. Did I have dysfunctions? Yes. Uh-huh. So on that happy note, and then you can ask yourself <laughs> why you wouldn't have wanted them to know that. On that happy note, we're going to take a commercial break. Don't go away. And Helen, please hang in there with us because we're going to take you as soon as we come back uh, to Inside Out. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, bethgreen.org. At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training, and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. You're tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Welcome back. 
Uh, today we are talking about when adversity guides us to our destiny. Do we gripe or do we embrace it? And we're talking about how you have to allow for both. Or you get sick. You get sick because you're suppressing the real feelings you're having, or you get sick because you get stuck in them. And we have a caller, Helen from San Diego, and I hope that she was able to hang in there during the commercial break. Sure. Helen, hi there. Welcome to Inside Out. I really have no idea what I'm going to say. (laughs) I mean, I have been on a spiritual path for decades, and I think sometimes I do what Irene, the former caller, was saying, you know, that... I don't allow myself to have a reaction because I, I'm afraid people will leave me if I'm trouble. Mm, um, yes. But I also feel like there's something else percolating, something like um, I felt like adversity was a punishment of some kind that must just be born. You just had to bear it. Because there was nothing to be done from it. There's nothing to be learned. There's nothing to be gained from it. And there's no way around it. And there's no way out of it. So it's kind of a sense of resignation that you just have to, you know, live through it. It sounds depressing, but I think that's what I learned. Well, I'm wondering, I think you're, you're, it feels to me like you're on the track of something that you haven't quite nailed yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let me ask you a question and see if together we can go a little further with this because I bet whatever it is that you're doing, we all do it in one <laughs> some degree or another. Uh, the word that came up for me as you were sharing was doom. Doom. Yeah. And um, so the question that I'd like to ask you is who told you you were doomed? Who told me I was doomed? Yes, I know it's a very odd question, but that's the question that's, that's coming to me, so I'm going to ask you. Who told you that you were doomed? Just let something pop into your head, whether it makes sense or not. I don't know. My mother comes to mind, but I think that was more that I thought she was doomed. Yes. That's your right so far. It was not your mother. It was exactly that she felt that she was doomed. Uh, My father, maybe? uh, No, it was not your mother or your father. It was somebody else. Hmm. Would somebody check me on this? Helen, you want to ask me, am I right? Beth, are you right? Beth, are you right? Yes. Okay. I always have to ask my higher consciousness if I seem to be on some kind of weird track and the client or the person doesn't get it. Who told you you were doomed at a very, very early age? Um, and I would say that they, they didn't say it in words, oh, Helen, you are doomed. But it was the attitude that they had towards your parents or to at least towards one of your parents that... My grandfather? Huh, that's right. Now, which father, on whose paternal. father? Was that maternal, did you say, or paternal? Hmm. Paternal. And, yes. And why did he think you were doomed? I don't know. I think he looked down on my mother in some way. Yeah, that's right. Or maybe looked down on her father, I think, is more like it. Mm-hmm. But it spilled over to... Well, yeah. I, uh, what I'm picking up is that he looked down... 
yes, on her father, no doubt. But he also looked down on her because? Uh, she was a slut? I don't know. She wasn't well, really, but... Yeah, no, I mean, there's... She got pregnant. Uh, she was... Think about that. She was not practical? She wasn't... Yeah, she was a flake. Yeah. It's the feeling that you got from him was, and you could feel that when your mother was with you and he was with you too, that his attitude, that his energy was, your mother's a flake, it's no use, um, you're not going to be raised properly, it's not going to go well. Now, yeah. having picked that up, that feeling that you were doomed, that feeling from your grandfather... Now see if you can connect the dots and connect it back to where you started today. That there was no point in complaining because there was nothing to be done. Right, because I was doomed. That's right. <laughs> that in so, university, so, university was just proof of my destiny. Exactly. And if your mother was flaky in some way, well, what could you say? I mean, that's just the way it was going to be, and there was really nothing you could say about it. I would love to further this conversation with you, but I've got to go because we have another caller. Good. Thank Thank you so so much. That was a great call. Very helpful. Okay. And now um, we have Helena from Fallbrook. Helena, uh, welcome. This is your first time calling in also. Welcome to Inside Out. Thank you. And I, I didn't, wasn't able to hear all of the caller before me because I was calling in, but this might fit in with that, with whatever the destiny thing is. I've been struggling these last few days. I'm, I'm a counselor, and I counsel with people who have chronic mental illness. And one of my patients, but she's reflective of several, actually, was having such a terrible time of feeling like, there's just no place for her in the world because, you know, she's, she's had gone from one difficult living situation to another and she has chronic pain too and people take advantage of that to offer her places to stay so that they can take advantage of her medication when they want to be uh. addicted to pain medicine. Anyway, it's just been sort of one disaster after another. And and it really has been for years. You know, that's what they say to me so often is that my whole life has been like this and what's the point and why should mm-hmm. I go on? It's just, you know, I just want some peace. And, and so she's, you know, she's been at a suicidal point. But, but I run into that a lot and I really don't know how to turn that sort of long-term chronic adversity into the fertilizer. Right. Oh, my God. That's so touching. And I, I understand, but the first thing I can tell you that from my own experience, that if I get, at first I feel this deep compassion for the person, but if I get stuck in that compassion, I'm going to be as off as if I get stuck in the anger that I was describing about things that were happening to me. Because mm-hmm. it isn't that you, that you shouldn't be compassionate, but the first energy that you feel, because this is obviously your nature, this is why you went into this profession, is to be compassionate. So what right. happens when you're compassionate? Is you're feeling their feelings. Well, if you're feeling their feelings, you're not doing them any good. <laughs> 
because all you can do is mirror back their feelings. So the first thing you do when you mirror somebody back their feelings is they feel validated. Like, oh, yeah, which is what I needed today. I needed somebody to say, you're right. This is terrible. You know what I mean? But, but, that, but leave it. at the, But then don't stay there. Because if they had stayed with, you're right, this is terrible, they wouldn't have said, but look, this is almost over. And why don't you do this? And why don't we do? And you know what I'm saying? I would have been stuck in that energy. And that's where you are getting in trouble, Helena, is that you mm-hmm. get... You go into that energy, which is very admirable, but you stay in it. And so you cannot see a bigger picture. Now, what I'd like to remind you of is that this person may have been suicidal, but is evidently not dead yet. Right. That means that there's something that they're still getting out of life. Yeah. And, and I wonder what that is. And so one of the things that you can do with someone just, and of course we're speaking abstractly, whereas, you know, if you brought me a case uh, to talk about, I, I could uh, get into it more, you know, clearly with you, but we're talking abstractly, and, and I understand this is a general issue that you find with many people, is mm-hmm. that what you want to be reinforcing is that they want to live because obviously they do or they would have been able to kill themselves especially with, the, with pain medication. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? When mm-hmm. you, you see, you are resonating with an aspect of their consciousness. So when you're being compassionate, you're resonating with the aspect of their consciousness that is in pain. But when you are bringing their awareness to the fact that they love life on some level, that what is it that they enjoy? What is keeping them there? Give them like credit like, wow, you must be a really strong person. You probably have done this, but I'm trying to articulate it so it can become clear on the con- right, you know, conscious right. level. You say, oh, my goodness, um, you must be a really strong person to have gone through all of this. I wonder, you know, where you got that strength from, for example. What are you doing? You're shifting their focus from what is wrong to what is right, mm. which is all what right. is right about them. You see, when someone is extremely ill, and of course, I, you know, I have this experience you know, myself, it's, it's easy to feel weak. And you talk about how people take advantage of her, for instance, mm-hmm. this woman. Mm-hmm. So, so she feels like a fool in the world. She feels helpless and weak. You want to reinforce in her her strength. That's how you're going to be turning the shit into fertilizer is by turning this around in her own self-concept, helping her to see herself as a person with resources, as a person with power, with something, and what could it be? Well, she she could say, well, the only reason I'm still alive is because, you know, my grandchildren. Well, wow. You know, and then you get to explore what that means. Why would it be that important to her? What does she mean to her grandchildren? What do they mean to her? Or it could be, well, I've always been like that because, you know, no, you can't really get me down. Oh, really? Where did that come from? And so what I'm sharing is the most important thing that we can do when we are being guided by adversity is not to turn against ourselves and to be able to accept maybe I made a mistake and as James' example, you know, maybe I was in the wrong profession because I was doing the wrong thing. Maybe I made a mistake. However, if I, 
if I beat myself up about that, that's going to make me negative about me and everything else that I could possibly do. But if I say, oh, that's really interesting. I wonder why I continue doing that for 20 years. Uh, and, you, and you give yourself a pat on the back for your willingness to look at it now, you start coming out of that feeling empowered. Yeah. I am happy with myself that I can start looking at something now that I couldn't look at yesterday. That already is turning adversity into something positive. You're right. Thank you. You're very welcome, Helena. Thank you so much for calling, and please call again. It's been Thank a pleasure. You. Well, believe it or not, we are coming to the end of our program. And so, James, would you like to share with us? Um, I'd like to point out, James, that if you were still lawyer, still a lawyer, you wouldn't be doing Inside Out with me, and that would be no fun at all. So, um, I agree. W- would you please uh, tell us about next week's show, and then if we have time, I'll do a summation. Speaking of lawyers. <laughs> our next edition of Inside Out will be God, Us, and the Global Mind, Who We Are and Why It Matters. Most of us think of ourselves as individual souls on a singular path. But here's a guy, Dr. Carl Kalamon, with a different idea. He says, what if human civilization is a product of an evolving global mind field, mind field, that we are all part of? (laughs) What if this is a divine mind that always influences the way we think? So much for free will. Carl Kahneman is coming to Inside Out next week to discuss his latest book, The Global Mind and the Rise of Civilization. In it, he speaks knowledgeably about history, archaeology, and human biology, examines the rise of civilization, and brings evidence to a mystical perspective. Tune into our show where he and host Beth Green will talk about their shared view that we are aspects of the divine in the process of evolution. Learn more about this unique perspective, that of a scientist, as well as a world-renowned expert in the field of the Mayan calendar. So call in or email in advance. Let's discuss just how the global mind could inspire you, limit you, or express through you. And now a final word from Beth. Well, this has been a wonderful program. I really loved interacting with our great callers today. And... um, Next time, maybe you'll call in. And if you can't, because you're at work and you're just listening in a podcast, please do not hesitate to call me uh, to uh, email me at beth at bethgreen.org. We are trying to create an online community of people where it's safe to be real. And that's what we did today. And I'm very excited about our show next week, mostly because Carl Kalaman, who is Dr. Kalaman, is providing evidence for something that I've been teaching for like over 30 years. So obviously he must be right. Correct? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. No, he's a great guy. He's very erudite. He's very smart. You're going to love him, but he's also very down to earth. We're going to have a wonderful show, wonderful conversation. Call in. Email us. Let's hear from you. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Listen for the next edition of Inside Out with Beth Green and James Maynard next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. 
For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.